Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Is the market getting ahead of itself? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Dale Pinkert, trading coach at TradeGate Hub. Hi, Dale. Welcome back. Great to be back with you, Maggie. And our timing is impeccable being together at perhaps inflection points two times in a row. Yeah, and, and we're going to we're going to get to some of them. I'm really interested to as to why you think that is. But, you know, it feels like there is a lot going on. And there has been a lot going on since we last talked um, at the very end of September. We had the equity markets just close here in the U.S., racking up yet another rally. NASDAQ up 1.6 percent ish as we settle S&P up about a percent. Does it feel like the market's getting ahead of itself? How are you thinking about this equity rally that we've seen? which is uh, you know, 11, 12% since, since it slows. Well, we're right at the 61.8% level, Maggie, and you know we could have a little pullback here because there's an old Wall Street expression that the bears feast on Thanksgiving and the bulls oh. do on Christmas. So we could, have a, we could have a little pullback and the VIX is trying to pop. But I think ultimately, a lot of people are gonna be looking at 4,100 S&Ps. And if you just, everyone's looking at the same trend line, if you just uh, put your trend line at the all-time high and then the high we had in August, it comes in at 4,100. And I do believe we're gonna break out over that level and people mm. are gonna become even more enthusiastic, perhaps into mid-December. And 43, 4,400 I think is doable. And, wow. But I don't think the low at 3,600 is gonna be it. And I think we're going to have a growth scare going into next year. And yields have peaked. That's another big story. The 10-year peaked without making new highs last week uh, after the Fed, after benign CPIs at 425 instead of 435. We're at the, in the 380s. I'm looking for about a 3% 10-year going into January. So wow. people would think that would be bullish everything, and it is. But later on, it may not be because rates could go down because of narrative change to, uh, changes to a growth scare and economic weakness. Yeah, that's a great point, Dale. And actually, a colleague of ours, Andreas, was tweeting out something similar because it does seem that we're in that bad news is good news because everyone's looking for that pause or pivot from the Fed. When I say everyone, I'm talking about you know the, the, the people driving yeah. equities higher. But Andreas was tweeting out... Um, two things. Remember, we need a pivot in both rates and QT. Let's not forget about quantitative tightening to turn positive on equities. And that recession is the reason that CPI is declining. Right. So it sounds like that's that's really what you're talking about. We get that growth scare. That's going to hit more. That's going to hit earnings, right? That's going to hit profits. Right. That's not good for equities. That's how you get 3000 S&P next year. Uh, probably into the spring is my best guess. So why are we why are we rallying now when we know that is this is to this distribute people? stocks before uh, the pros take it down again? Yeah, and so for uh, and people being offsides, 
being caught uh, being too bearish. We had record amount of puts before the Fed being bought and the first CPI and the PPI. <clears throat> and that uh, performance anxiety for fund managers that going into year end, they're going to have to show some performance because of how much the market has rallied off the 3600 level. And if they're not showing that they own the performing stocks, they might lose their two and 20. What you do, what, for people who don't follow along, what's two and 20? Uh, that's what most hedge funds charge to manage money. Right. So this is performance related. We were talking Part about this behind, but behind closed doors, uh, you know, some of our, our folks who've spent a lot of time in these places had assist, have been worried about the fact that we would be seeing this powerful rally sucking people in potentially, but really it was a lot more about some of those market dynamics, um, yes. salary and performance dynamics than it was about the actual fundamentals. It sounds like you're kind of flagging well, that as well. But that, it is a relief uh, that uh, interest rate pressures have come off. And what we talked about last time I said a weaker dollar would help everything. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. You got uh, the equities, it was jet fuel for equities because they've been worrying about a strong dollar for a long time. And I think this is a major top, but I think we're drawing close to this wave completing and that we're gonna go through a corrective process in things like Euro and cable and things that have rallied 10, 15%. Against okay. the dollar. That's the inflection we're talking about. I want to dig into this. I want to ask you first, though, about so we've got equities on a tear. A lot of people, you know, wondering. We also have some people saying, okay, listen, maybe it slows down if you look at the data, but maybe the US avoids recession. You've got that hope lingering out there. And then we see the headline risk that is still so powerful today as we are coming to air late in the afternoon. Yeah news that a missile hits Poland, kills two people. All these discussions now taking place. Uh, this is a developing story. So, you know, we're gonna have to track yeah. this through the night, but it seems like it's an environment that's still really full of risk. Do you change the way you trade when we have that kind of headline risk? Well, with this kind of uh, headline risk, I actually think that this can be part of the story of the Euro retrenching the recent gains from 95 to almost 100 four and a half. And it's not going to be interest rate differentials. It's going to be risk on the continent. More geo going into what's happening here with both what could happen on the battlefield and what's going to happen in the furnaces of Europeans this winter. Yeah. Yeah, we've so. been talking a lot about the energy. Uh, you know, they filled up the storage, but it's very fraught with 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 concern as you start to look a little bit further out. Now, so the report my... I the report I heard is that Ukraine shot down a Russian missile is a story we're getting now. But uh, Maggie, don't we live in an era where I could believe that narrative um, and then there could be another narrative? Oh, so um, I just uh, Putin uh, de-escalates by escalating and he's escalating. Absolutely. And you're right. We really have to be cautious and, and wait and, and verify every, every bit of information because there's so much misinformation and a lot of it intentional as well. So it's interesting because my colleague, my colleague, I feel like it, this is an environment where it has to be very tactical, which is really pleased. Folks like you've been in the market forever. 
um, you know, have that experience to lean on. My colleague James Hellowell spoke with Dave Floyd um, from Aspen Trading about how to best trade this environment, and he also had some advice to listen, uh, advice to give. Rather, let's have a listen. The number, the the two characteristics of the failing traders are adding to losing positions and not adding to winning positions. It's that simple. If you can just do that, now you've got a better than uh, a better than average chance of doing well. Yeah, of course you still need to have a game plan and a trading methodology, but you don't need indicators up the wazoo to make money. You need an objective trading plan, which is what I think I've laid out, what works very well for me. And then going, taking it one step further and saying, I will not add to a losing position and I will only add to my winning positions. Because once prices start to move in your favor, nobody knows how far it may go. And when you have a big trending day and you're buying subsequent pullbacks and having a larger position, and if the day keeps trending, that gives you what you would call those 3x or 4x days where you make a bunch of money and that offsets the days where you lose some money but it's it, the days you lose money is because you're cutting your losses quick you're out 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 and you take paper cuts and then you you get you get a big win on on a particular day or two because you're adding to your winners that full interview is available on our website first of all i always think it's great for for you know, even veterans to say, listen, it's really hard. <laughs> this is a really hard market we're in. But you know, it's so difficult. It's you know what what he's what Dave's talking about sounds so obvious, right? Don't don't keep adding to your losing positions. Don't get married to your narrative and add to your winners, even if it's going to cost more. How do you how do you factor in timing to this, though, Dale? I mean, there can be people who are sitting on winning equity positions now who want to keep riding them. How do you know when you're going to get one of these inflection points that you talk about? Well, you, uh, they're rare inflection points. So you have to have the discipline to uh, accept that you're not going to be perfect on your exits and that you never go broke taking profits. Mm. So you need to have a regimen to take partial profits along the way because it's not a winner until you take it. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Okay. Isn't that isn't that the thing we well, have to remember? <laughs> well, you know, I know Dave. He's a pro. I interviewed him years ago. Uh, Dave's very good. But you really, in these markets where things rarely you get two days in a row of a market going in the same direction, that if you don't learn how to take partial profits, you're going to be uh, at the uh, starting line over and over again. You have to ring the register, put a sign on your desk. Today I get paid and always peel off a part of a winner and put it in the bank. That's what I would add to it.
I think that's great. And it's always worth reminding everyone, Dave's trading perspective is really short. He's he's really okay. in and out most days. He doesn't hold positions okay. for a very long time. So when he's talking about adding them oh, okay. against yeah. his, right, um, important, for, important for us to point out. And I think he's talking okay. generally because he has a, a very sort of sophisticated set of, you know, uh, technicals and all of this sort of modeling that he does that he tested against. And then he's also quite nimble. So he's, you know, he, his time frame probably is, is important there, but you're right because you do, you don't want to sort of take in markets that can move quickly on you. You don't want to be exposed in a way that you, you know, if you have a little bit more clarity, you might. And I don't know, I haven't talked to anybody who can see around a lot of corners right now. However, Dale, when we talked to you last month, um, you had a really contrarian call at that time. You you said you liked the euro and you against the dollar and you liked the British pound and they were both dogs at that point. And sure enough, it was the beginning of really a tide turning on both of those currencies. How are you feeling about them right now? Let's start with the euro. How do you feel about the euro first? Okay, the dollar? Well, okay well, if we could put up uh, the euro chart, uh, your viewers will see that we're at a major resistance level at uh, 103.50. And uh, that support level goes all the way back to 2018. And in 2020, we've rallied back to major resistance. And that's not the only market that's done it. Copper has done it. And I'm also going to show you uh, the silver did the same thing at, at $22. So I'm looking for a correction after this first wave. Uh, I have a pretty clear technical picture in cable. I was looking for a high between 118 and a half and 120. We traded over 120 today. I think uh, this could have been it for these currencies and uh, I think there's a chance I'm going to be able to buy cable under 110. If we take out 116, I think there's a chance for 110, which would be about 61.8 back of this uh, 17 cent rally we've had actually. Mm. 103 and a half to 120 and a half. So give back 61 eight of that and I'm a buyer. Mm. So is it what's driving that? Is it just sort of as has been all the positive news that would have helped it priced in and now you're you're operating against a more difficult fundamental backdrop? Uh, well, when you and I were talking about it, there were over 90% bulls on mm. most sentiment and it's uh, become very neutral in the 50s now. And it was such a powerful bull market that they usually don't just top, break, and never give you at least a failing rally. Um, some type of echo from its previous strength to show, and the dollar index above 104 still has the opportunity for it to not rally to new highs. I'm not looking for that, but perhaps back to 110, 112, um, in the coming weeks. And I think part of this is going to be the geo risk of not wanting to be in Europe mm -hmm. and in the UK. Uh, they still have a leadership crisis. Uh, can you imagine if we had as many pr uh, presidents as they have prime ministers in such a short period of time? And they also have, and they're talking about austerity. They have to because uh, they still have a problem with budgetary issues as every major Western country does, including America. So um, I'm looking for a, a pullback in the British pound based upon that and energy issues. And I, as I said, Putin's desperate and escalating 
and people are going to feel better in the dollar for a while during this time period. But do you think the dollar has been weakening for three days and now we're talking about a potentially, you know, recessionary outlook next year, which I would think would keep rates on a or, or yields, you know, bond rates on a, on a trajectory lower. Um, so if the dollar doesn't weaken substantially, does it is the rally over? Has it topped out here? Uh, the, the, I believe the dollar put in a major high. We went from about 115 to today's low around 105. And I'm looking for a corrective move now to correct that decline, maybe halfway back, 61.8 back, and then the resumption of a bear market in uh, the dollar. So mm -hmm. if I'm able to buy cable under 110, say 109, and this first move was 18 cents, I think the next move could be 30 cents. So uh, you could be talking about a 140 pound down the road in the spring. And that may be a time when uh, the, the dollar is selling off because people are losing confidence in the strength of the US economy. So Abir asking, what currency would you be holding if you think the dollar is topped? Okay. Uh, what do, I would, do you like any currencies? What do you, what do you thoughts Well, on? I'm more price sensitive. You know, mm -hmm. I was buying uh, Euro cash um, in foreign accounts at a buck and lower at parity. That's different if it's a hold. But if it's a trade, I would suggest being patient and waiting for the market to reset and a pullback. And when dollar bullishness comes back into the market, and it will if you see um, the British pound drop 10 cents from where it is. I, I like the pound down there. Uh, I like Australian dollars, uh, commodity currencies. I think you could, I like uh, actually emerging market currencies. Uh, they held up well in, on our last discussion. We talked about before the dollar turn, how emerging market currencies were holding up better than the G7 currencies. And the Mexican peso is one of the strongest out there. I like peso. That's so interesting. I just, I uh, wasn't doing the show last week because I was in Barcelona at an event we had, and there was a lot of talk about emerging markets. Um, and this is a theme that comes up and we've been covering it on Real Vision and we'll continue to do so. But a lot of people making that the point about the emerging markets, you know, which traditionally in crisis times uh, get hit hard. Um, well, a, a weaker dollar is their savior. Yeah. Because they have dollar denominated debt. So this turn in the dollar uh, was very important for these uh, not to turn into train wrecks. And so the window and the world has changed, and I think there'll be more money flow out of U.S. denominated assets, including equities, and outperformance in emerging markets. Mm. So what about, you mentioned commodities. Uh, what are you looking at in terms of, I think you're watching, you're watching silver, you're watching gold, you're watching gold-silver ratio. Walk us through what your thoughts are around the precious metals. Okay, well, I think it's a very important development that we have going on in the gold-silver ratio. If the chart's available, it's a falling wedge. And as precious metal traders, we prefer to see the white stuff lead, which is what was happening. The ratio was declining. But we're in a falling wedge, and if you notice the last couple of weeks, gold has been outperforming silver. Mm -hmm. And today is a pretty 
classic day, you have gold up about six, seven dollars and silver down 40 cents. And that underperformance really became accentuated late last week. So I think gold has problems between here and 1800. And I because I believe gold is going to outperform silver. I would like to see where silver is at. Should gold pull back to the breakout 1680, 1700 would be a level I'd want to check. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens that silver has a full blown retracement of the recent lows that we had at 1720. Wow. Yeah. So uh, you, you want tactically. If you're bullish metals and you want to buy dips in precious metals for now, you buy the dip in the gold. And if you're bearish metals and think they're going to decline, you sell rallies in silver because mm. that's going to be the relative weakness and the relative strength is going to be in the gold. We're going to take another quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Abir asking, there was a part two to the, the question earlier. Um, in addition to currencies, what asset would you like to hold until the end of the year? So it's a, you know, it's a pretty long time frame for a trader <laughs> to be asked. But is there, is there something that you feel pretty convicted about? Uh, well, I feel uh, pretty, uh, uh, soybeans. Now, I wanted to talk about an asset class that, most don't consider. And when you think about the fundamentals in the grain complex, you cannot find stronger fundamentals in any asset class out there on the planet. Um, we have all kinds of weather issues. It's not just Ukraine um, uh, and it's not just wheat and it's mainly weather. And with what happened in Ukraine, we're looking for another 30 ton shortfall out of that grain belt. Um, the hot summer in Europe this year and India shaved another 10 tons of production. Uh, there's a La Nina out in the Pacific, which is known for causing cold dry on the West Coast and potential drought in the Midwest, which would mean the mega drought that we're having in the West could spread into our own grain belt. And then you have instability of producers in South America, like Brazil for soybeans and Argentina for wheat. And the technical picture in soybeans is a falling wedge and it's a bullish picture. And I remember the old days at the Chicago Board of Trade, the guys would have a chant, beans in the teens, beans in the, because it would get up to $12, Maggie, and you know, 1250, but never break into the teens. Now it's the teens all the time. And uh, if we break out that wedge, I could I could make a technical case for $25, $30 beans. And if I was a charity, I'd go out or the UN 
that has to supply people with food, I'd go out and buy futures and take delivery and build a silo and keep it. It's uh, really going to be, um, I think, it's also something the Fed can't control because they can't print food, and I don't care what they do with rates. Um, you know, the world's going to eat. I'm not going on a diet, and it's actually a very unfortunate thing because of what is going to happen in many poorer countries. In fact, the last time we had this kind of condition, we had the Arab Spring. So um, I'm very bullish on the grain complex as well. And a weaker dollar would uh, only add to the bullish case, be easier to export our grains. It, it, in the commodity space, kind of writ large, but certainly when you're talking about food, there seems like there is, uh, for the commodity bulls out there, a really compelling supply-demand conversation. Yeah. Uh, anytime we have somebody on who's watching this space, uh, you know there will be a range and there will be fluctuations, but every time you start to see that price go low, there's sort of this floor in that there's just not enough capacity to increase the supply. Is, is that is that what it feels like to you? Are you bullish across the commodity space, or you? Got yeah, I like the soft sugar's been acting very well. I think coffee hasn't yet, but yeah. You know, when I'll come back to grains, that even though grain prices have come down after the invasion, fertilizer prices haven't, Maggie, and mm -hmm. so farmers are using less fertilizer, which gives them lower yields, and. Uh, Let's talk about what happens if the Mississippi dries up, like the Rhine and the Danube in Europe, which are major shipping lanes for delivering this stuff. That I think uh, there's a real opportunity uh, in on the long side of grains for so many reasons. Uh, we could do a whole show on it. Yeah, and and I I thought I just saw someone talking you can't about eat the, gold. The Mississippi? No, you cannot. You can wear it in your teeth, but you can't eat it. <laughs> I saw somebody uh, talking. Uh, I think I saw someone talking about the Mississippi's extremely low. Isn't that at historic yeah. lows? Uh, no, I, I've, yeah, it's ne never happened in our lifetime. So I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's drying up and it's difficult to transport. And the same thing's happening in Europe, which is amazing. I mean, they have had rain in the Midwest. I'm not sure. I'm not a scientist, but. I know that we've had problems with the Mississippi before, but nothing like this. Yeah, it is extraordinary. I know we feel it feels like we've seen all this rain because when it comes, it's extreme and washes it away. But it, you can, that can still happen against the backdrop of a drought. Time to get Sean Hackett back on, I think, for our regular viewers. They'll know who he is. Um, Dale, you're, this is a complete departure, but you're watching Bitcoin as well. I mean, we well, know the headlines and what's happening with the fallout from XTX, uh, FTX. It's been yeah. another... Um, you know, really, really blow for the crypto space. What do you see on the charts there for Bitcoin? I, I'm starting to see some divergence build. Last time I was here, I talked about, well, we're in a crypto winter, buy a straw hat, buy straw hats in the winter, right? And it was trading 18. Yeah. And I said, what I would do is I would buy a little here and there are counts that could take it down to 14. And when it gets down there, add a little bit more down there at 14. So I'm actually looking for a low here in Bitcoin. And just because we have fraudsters in the space, um, I don't think invalidates uh, what Bitcoin is and that this type of sentiment and throwing the baby out with the bathwater, that uh, Bitcoin, I know most people are saying, oh, it's going to zero and it's going to 8,000, but 
uh, I'll be looking at it at 14 as a price target. So you wouldn't buy it here necessarily because we're hovering around 16. You think it's probably going to grind lower, but you're looking yeah. at 14 as support. Yeah, uh, people that are technical will notice that um, each successive price low now, the momentum is putting in higher readings. We're starting to get some RSI divergence, some uh, the market is not confirming new lows, and uh, I don't know who who else would want to be a proponent of buying Bitcoin right now. That's when you look at markets. And, you know, initially they'll say, well, we could have a bounce, but it's just a dead cat bounce. Just like they said in the dollar at first, well, you know, it's just a correction. But they say that about every major top and bottom. Every major top and bottom tops, they say, well, it's a pullback. You look back six months later, it, it was a top. And so I, I think that there's, uh, that the weaker dollar eventually is going to help Bitcoin as another asset class and hedge against our currency. Mm -hmm. So Ralph, um, we're almost out of time. We always have a little lag with the questions, which is so frustrating. But um, if you tweet them out, I'm sure Dale can can tackle some of them. Uh, Ralph, he he just talked about wheat and sugar and coffee. He's asking about cattle. Do you look at cattle at all? You know, I haven't, but that's another case for soybeans because I I took a look <laughs> at the prices of the meats, and I used to be a runner on the floor of the CME. And I remember cattle trading at 60 bucks and 50 bucks. I think it's like 180 now. So I don't, I don't know um, where you buy your steaks, but you know, I, I have to spend a lot. I still enjoy them, but soybeans are a protein source. It's not a, just a grain, it's in your tofu. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if Beyond Meat uses it, but it is a protein source, non-carcinogenic one. People, you know, Michael Milken claims he was healed from prostate cancer by using soybean products. There you go. So we're, that's all your... we're all moving, especially with not only for health reasons, but when you can't afford the steak, yeah. you've got to go to the plant protein. It's right? called protein gold, soybeans. Protein gold, I love it. Um, We've got a couple more. Uh, I'm going to try to squeeze one more in before we're out of time. Ask Dale, please ask Dale which emerging markets he likes. We talked okay. about the peso, but do you you you, you favor like, Latin America more than Asia, or is it commodity based? How are you thinking about it? I, I like Latin America right now. I like Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I I like Brazil, and uh, there are spots in Asia. Um, I'm not, you know, Jimmy Rogers, where I know all about it, but um, I, I more like the currency. I'm very positive on a dollar play rather than on an equity play. But it just makes sense that if uh, their currency is going to appreciate, there's going to be more money flow into that country. Yeah, it makes sense. So we have we we covered a lot of ground, Dale. But but I think the takeaway is is um, and this answers one of our questions: the seasonalities. Beware the bear that feasts at Thanksgiving. I, I hadn't That's heard right. that one. That the bear feasts at Thanksgiving, the bull feasts at Christmas. So um, you you know, stocks have a little bit more room on the upside at some point, certainly. But you're expecting um, them to to you know maybe take a one uh, take a pause. Yeah. But I think 3,600 is solid right now, and I mean before we see 3,600 taken out. 
I think we'll see 43 to 44. So it sounds like we're going to get that Christmas pop and then watch out for next year. Uh, that growth scare is going to be hard for equities. You think the dollar's topped here. Yes. Uh, we're at an inflection point for the euro and sterling. You like the peso. You think gold outperforms silver. So buy gold on dips, sell silver on rallies. Um, and Bitcoin, 14,000, looks attractive to you. And, talk, me uh, through, talk me through again the inflection point for the for sterling and euro. Do you think they're headed? Because you, you, we had a bit of a chat about that. Just just so I'm clear on that, are they headed lower, or okay. how? They're going to correct their recent advance. Mm -hmm. So cable rallied from 103 and a half to 120 and a half. So I'm looking for a give back, uh, ideally under 110 and then a repeat performance. In fact, better than a repeat performance. That's what I wanted to clarify, because you think the dollar's top. So there's yes. gonna be a near, so the dollar can say hi right now, or it can get a little revived because of the geopolitical tensions, but you're yeah. gonna see a top dollar, Euro and Dollar. sterling, correct, but then they go higher again. Yes, yes. And so maybe just, stronger based on yes. that. Yes, a 130 pound, 140 pound. Fantastic stuff. James G has a question about energy, but James, I'm going to ask you to flip it to Twitter uh, and hit Dale up there, and I'm, I'm sure he'll give you some thoughts. Dale, it is always so fantastic to catch up with you. You you cover so many markets. It's such a great opportunity for us to sort of, you know, get some sage advice for someone who's seen it all. So we appreciate it. Well, thank you, Maggie. And I remember your viewers in this holiday season that we're coming up on and every day to not just count their pips, but to count their blessings. That's right. It's really important to remember that. Uh, thanks so much to all of you for the great right. questions and for tuning in. We'll be back same time tomorrow with Mark Chandler. Until then, take care and good luck out there. All right. Thank you, Maggie. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest and biggest names in finance.